This is Ask Dr. E, where Dr. Michael easily answers your biblical or theological questions in 10 minutes or less. Today's question comes from our live audience. We're actually recording with a high school senior Bible class, and they've been amazing. And here's our question. In the Bible, kings like David and Solomon had hundreds of wives, and yet God never condemns their polygamy. In the New Testament, a woman who has had a mere five husbands is condemned by Jesus as a sinner. How can God have such a double standard? Interesting question. First of all, just to be clear, Jesus didn't condemn the woman. In fact, I'll read the verse in a minute. In the Old Testament, it's a little more complicated. Let me give you some backstory because that's what I like to do to connect this. In Deuteronomy chapter 25, there is a provision in the Levitical law. If a husband and wife, if the man dies in the Levitical system, the tribal system, if he dies, the brother can marry his sister-in-law, have a son with her, and that son is given his father, his deceased name. He's the heir. So if Asher died and Levi marries Asher's wife and has a son, we name him Asher. Okay. And that continues the line. That's the tribal provision. Now, we could say it was polygamy, but it was a provision, so the name technically would not be blotted out. That was the word God used. Now, that provision was not a blanket permission for polygamy, but of course, we're sinful people. We take everything further. There were, let's say, marriages, intermarriages, polygamy that was not sanctioned or approved by God, and we don't have a judgment or record of it. So we hold that thought in the monarchy when the time of the kings set Saul aside because he fails. David becomes the first real king in the lineage. He's God's choice. He's a man after God's own heart. And of course, you know the story. God did not want Israel to have a king. They complained. They want to be like the other nations around them. And so Samuel's the prophet, and he's talking back and forth to God. And God says, give them a king, but tell them of the consequences. Tell them what it means to be like other nations. And in that kind of, a, it was almost a command rebuke. He said, they're going to regret this and they'll be like other nations. They'll multiply wives. They'll have concubines. And then weirdly, he said, don't multiply horses or have chariots. What's this about in this lineup? Because the kings around them, that's how they showed their power. That's how they showed their prowess. Lots of wives, lots of concubines, lots of horse stables, and we've got chariots. We've got the best armament, if you will. So what happens? Very short order, David starts multiplying wives. David starts taking horses. He starts building chariots. Solomon, his son, will have tons of horses and chariots. If you've not been to Israel, we go to places like Megiddo where we show you the horse stables for hundreds of horses that he had on top of Megiddo. So they were violating the principle God told them not to. Why? Because they want to be like other nations. That's what we all do. We all want more power, want more land. Interestingly, God does not judge them for it. The scripture just records it. And we read very cryptically, David added more wives at Hebron. So the scripture is aware of the sin. It's aware of the egregious nature of it, but God withholds judgment. Now think about this in your life and mine. If every time I sin, God brought judgment, it would be pretty unhappy. It'd be pretty unpleasant. I mean, I'd be hammered every day several times a day for something I thought, my critical mind or negative heart or lustful heart, I'd be hit with a hammer. So I'm glad God doesn't one-to-one -one punish me or judge me every time I sin. We call this mercy. 
God's merciful toward us. It doesn't mean my sin's okay. It doesn't mean God overlooks my sin. It just means he doesn't bring one-to-one judgment. That does not mean there's no consequence. That does not mean God is unaware of it or just kind of goes, oh, well, that's a little sin. I'm not going to worry about it. He died for such sin, so that's the tension. The question is, why doesn't he immediately judge you and me? Why didn't he immediately judge David when he added wise? Why didn't he immediately judge David when he slept with Bathsheba and killed Uriah the Hittite? Now, there's consequences later on. There are huge consequences later on for a sin. That's the area that's uncomfortable to think about. But in the New Testament with this woman, it's very interesting. In John 8, let me read verses 10 and 11. Jesus is on the ground drawing, remember, and he stands up. Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Meaning her accusers. And he says, did no one condemn you? And she says, no, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. So the fact that she was an adulteress with five husbands or the other account with the woman at the well, God doesn't condemn the person. In fact, he's there to love them and to share who he is with them. And his command to her is go and sin no more. He's acknowledged she sinned, but he doesn't hammer her. He says, go and sin no more. So Old Testament kings who added wives, concubines, horses, and chariots was all sin God didn't want them to do. He was merciful. He didn't bring judgment one-on-one at the time. That doesn't mean it wasn't wrong. There's no double standard with the way he treats Old or New Testament sin. The marvel of it is why doesn't he you know, convict me and judge me harsher for my sins? And the only remedy is we look at Calvary. We look at the cross and know that's where the judgment went was for my sin, for your sin, for David's sin, it went to Calvary, where Christ endures the punishment for what we did. So you were kind of talking more just then about the adulterous woman that the Pharisees throw in front of Jesus, really to be testing Jesus on how he's in response to the law. And then I think you mentioned it, but I was kind of checking over here to look at our question again. The woman at the well is the woman who Jesus says, you know, you had five husbands and the man you're with now isn't even your husband. I think you were saying this, so I just want to clarify. I more in the last couple of years heard a teaching on that saying it wasn't a go and sin no more conversation. It was more, you know, she was there in the middle of the day in the hottest time of the day because she didn't want to see anybody from that community because she's an outcast. Like to have had five husbands and be with a man who's not her husband currently, like she's not socially acceptable. So it was radical that Jesus was talking to her, period. And then he's acknowledging like, I know your past. Mm -hmm. I know you're hurt. Probably this woman is not, it probably wasn't her fault. Can we say that, that she had five husbands? She was more like chattel, unfortunately, in the New Testament until Christ comes. Women were property. And you could divorce your wife because she burnt your piece of toast if you wanted to, essentially. So this idea that it's less about he was chastising her, condemning her, calling out sin, and more of a, like, I know you, and I know your pain, and I know your hurt, and I'm the Christ that you well, know, you've been waiting for. Yeah, the John 8 is the woman caught in an adultery. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the woman at the well is with the exchange you're talking yeah. about. But in either case, he doesn't condemn the person. Right. He does call their sin out, but he doesn't condemn them. In yeah. fact, he's the living water to the woman yeah. at the well. Yeah. And to the woman caught in adultery, which is another tripwire in Old Testament theology, because technically— the law said you're to bring both of them right. before, right. and it's just a woman. 
So Jesus has an out with the Pharisees going, you can't do this because which one is going to throw the first stone? Well, and it shows you how lopsided the Pharisees had gotten. 100%. They're letting the guy go. They're going to punish the woman only. Yeah. But the woman at the well is fascinating because when she goes to town, it says, let me tell you about a man who knows everything about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to wonder how gossip went with the other five guys she used yeah. to be with. Yeah. Whoops, you know, yeah. I've been caught. So it's a multi-layered story. But back to the question, I don't think it was a double standard the way he treats with sin. I think he's merciful. Yeah. He's kind. He wants our repentance, if you want to use that word. He wants us to confess our sin, but he's paid for it. And that's the hard part about this perfect person who comes to me has solved my sin condition. He's not mad at me. He hates sin. Yeah. But he's not mad at me for being a broken, sinful, despicable yeah. person. Yeah, it's been paid for. Wow. All right. If you've got a question for Dr. E, call us, text us, or email us. Ask Dr. E is produced by me, Hannah Seymour, mixed and mastered by Sonamorphic, and music composed by Jason Germain. 